0: Pastor Xavier Reese says, God has no use for our sinful nature, neither should we.
1: God tells us that you cannot reform, you cannot recycle, you cannot touch up the old man. There's only one answer to the old man, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. You must crucify him daily. Yes, we're new creatures, but let me tell you, we are to reckon the old man daily.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. This simple truth from Romans 7 gives good insight on the old sin nature that waits ever patiently alongside our new life in Christ. Pastor Xavier turns to the next section in our study of 1 Peter chapter 2 for some good counsel explaining how we as new creatures in Christ can achieve victory over the natural bent for sin that occupied our old self. Let's listen.
1: Peter's a very practical man knowing the depravity of man, but equally he knows the experience and the blessedness of the life in the Spirit. Remember he is writing to Christians who are under severe persecution in Asia Minor, He realizes their need of comfort, assurance, and yet as we look at this passage, we see that Peter does not shirk back from confronting them with responsibility. I think one of the worst things we can do as Christians is sometimes when people need to be reminded of their responsibility or their accountability, even though it may be in the negative aspect that we shirk from that. And I think that we do violence and damage to people when we don't give them the proper counsel. Sometimes we don't want to be thought of as being negative. Sometimes we don't want to be thought of as being uncompassionate. And sometimes the most loving thing to do is, even though the situation is a difficult one, a very uh, hurting one, that we not only offer comfort, but we also offer a sense of accountability and responsibility towards the situation. Lest that individual should just lay everything on you or upon others. And so Peter, here having told them about their salvation and how God has blessed them in chapter 1, he comes to certain conclusions. In this, there's a contrast between the old nature and the new nature. The old man, the new man. The sinful tendencies and the tendencies to live for God. Now it's interesting that from the early pages of Scripture in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, God said there that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that the imagination and the thoughts of man was, in his heart, evil continually. Now, I don't know that what that does for you if you're a sociologist, a psychologist, or a man who believes, or a woman who believes in philosophy and that man can become better if he's put in the right environment. But the Bible says that the problem is not the environment. That the problem of man is his heart. He is sinful. He has a bent towards evil. Not one of you ever had to be taught to steal. You did that automatically. You had to be taught not to steal. Not one of you ever went into a shopping store or a five and ten dime store or whatever and uh, somebody had to come alongside and say, Hey, listen, why don't you pick up that candy bar and put it in your pocket? You did that automatically. They had to tell you not to do it. And so from our youth, we demonstrate that we have a bent towards Evil. Listen to what Job 15 says. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. Behold, he puts no trust in the saints. Speaking of God. Yes, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man which drinks iniquity like water. That is probably one of the most detailed and most Adequate pictures regarding man in the Bible. He drinks iniquity as if he was drinking water. He craves it. He doesn't reject it. You will be amazed as you read the scriptures that God is very truthful about man. He paints him with warts and all. He lays a very clear and distinct picture of what man is. And so this is the old man that Peter is identifying, even as we read these verses in chapter 2, verse 1, at least in the opening verse. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so in verse 1, Peter speaks of the old man. He's identified as the natural man, the unregenerated man, the ungodly man, the man that is bound and ruled by the flesh. Now, even though we have come to Christ, each of us still have that old man. He doesn't rule our life, but he's still present. And so we are to lay him aside as an old garment and that we're to put on the new man that is described for us in verse 2. The man in verse 2, he's a spiritual man, the regenerated man, the godly man, the man that is bound and ruled by the Spirit of God. What a sharp contrast. As a newborn infant, then we are to desire the sincere milk, the pure word of the Word of God. And so we contrast the two here. Throughout Scripture, we are spoken about that, that sinful nature of man as well as the new nature of man. Our sin nature is never eradicated. Now many have tried to teach in church history. There have always been groups that have tried to teach that once you come to Christ, then you are perfect. You can't sin. But let me say to you that that does not bear up to our life. And if we are perfect and we don't sin and can't sin any longer, why in the world does First John 2 one say, My little children, I write these things unto you. That you do not make a practice of sin, but if you ever blow it or fall on your face, you have Jesus Christ, the righteous intercessor, the lawyer for the defense, to make intercession for you. As long as we are in this flesh, we have a tendency towards sin, though we're new creatures. But the difference now is that we don't have to be ruled by that sin nature. We can live above sin. We can please God because the Spirit of God is in us. One day a man came to Charles Spurgeon, and he told him he was speaking precisely on the subject of uh, man is, uh, still has a tendency to sin. And the man came up after the sermon and says, um, "I don't agree with you. Since I've been born again, I have never sinned." Well, he didn't want to get into a heated argument or anything. He says, "Well, he says that's interesting." He says, "Would you have lunch with me tomorrow?" He says, "Sure." So, in the course of the lunch, they were sitting across each other at the table and they were speaking. And as Mr. Spurgeon was listening intently, he had his, water, his glass of water in his hand. And all of a sudden, without any anticipation, he thrust the glass of water into the face of the man as he was speaking. The man just threw his chair back. He jumped up. He started getting in the flesh, man. And Mr. Spurgeon says, I knew he wasn't dead. He had only fainted. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yes, we're new creatures, but let me tell you, we are to reckon the old man daily, Paul says, every day. God tells us that you cannot reform, you cannot recycle, you cannot touch up the old man. There's only one answer to the old man, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. You must crucify him daily. And so he says we must lay this old man aside. But more than the old man, he goes into very specific areas. And so the first thing he tells us in verse 1 is that the Christian life is not only a life of learning, but of unlearning many old things. For he says, therefore, and the therefore always points you back to what has preceded. In view of the fact that you have been born again, in view of the fact that you are a new creature, in view of the fact that you have embraced the word of God that is incorruptible and lives forever, then you must lay aside all these particulars that he is sharing. Lay aside all malice. The word lay aside is used for laying aside an old garment, like taking your clothes off or putting on an old garment and taking off another one. And so he's actually speaking about... My responsibility, something that I do, it doesn't just happen automatically. Though I am given the ability, the power, yet I am a co-participant with God. I am the one that has to yield to the working of the Spirit of God in my life. Don't miss the word all. All malice. The word malice describes all evil conduct. It's a general word for wickedness. It speaks about the desire to do uh, damage or ill or injury to somebody. I mean, I know sometimes that the church passes herself off as being, oh, no, not in the church. huh? Let me tell you, sometimes people within the church are more vicious than people outside the church. And so he says now, first in the negative, you have to put all malice aside. Take it off. You have the potential. And then he says, secondly, all guile. The word guile speaks of trickery, deceit. It comes from the word decoy or to bait someone. Now as we grew without Christ in the world, this is something that we caught on very quickly in the world. You learn the ropes. You learn how to get over on people. You learn how to say the right things to get what you want. To bait, You know, when you go fishing, you put that nice, healthy, slimy little thing on the hook. It's there to disguise the hook. So that the fish doesn't see the hook. And so in the, our natural person, we use guile. All manners of guile to try to cover up the hook. Lest people find out where we're coming from. It's just something that comes very naturally. The world functions under this tactic. Absalom told his brother Abnon, because he had raped his sister. I'm going to have a big bash, a feast. Why don't you come up and party with us? But he didn't tell him he was going to kill him. Guile. And so he says, put this off. This is what you used to do and used to be. But now you're in Christ. You're born again. Thirdly, says hypocrisy. The word comes from the word actor. It speaks about feigning oneself, passing oneself as something that you really aren't. And in the world, we learn this very quickly. We have personalities for our parents. We have personality for our girlfriend, our boyfriend. We have a personality for the job. And it depends what we want to do and how we fit in. We're like camellias. You know, depending on the environment, we turn that color. And yet now in Christ, we're not to be like that. You remember Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts? They came and they said, Peter asked them, he says, um, by the way, did you um, sell your house for X amount? Yep. Did you give it all? Yep. He says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You see, now, Peter said, now, it was your property. You weren't required to sell it. You weren't even required to give anything to the church. But you're passing yourself up as something you're not. You're saying that you did when you didn't. And God struck him dead. Now, we equally have those tendencies in Christ. We have to be careful. Because that old man's ever-present. Envy. A desire for what others have. Even the times to bring us where we hold grudges against them. Remember Jacob's sons? They envied Joseph because he was in favor with the father. He had a coat of many colors. And they saw him he says, oh, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Envy does not settle with just envy. It's always progressive. It moves you forward into greater sin. And so Peter says, here's the negative first. Though you have been born again of the Spirit and the Word of God, there are still those tendencies of the old man that will ever be present. But the good news is you don't have to yield to them and you can put them off. Now that's a great advantage. That we can put these things off by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Something that before Christ none of us could do. How often when you were without Christ, before coming to Christ, you, you, you did something, oh man, I'm not going to do that. But you ended up doing it over and over again. How many times even in Christ Jesus you say, I'm not going to do that again. And there you are all over again. You see, even in Christ, if we don't discipline our life and really depend on the Spirit and the Word of God, we can still live under the energies of the flesh. The old man. But he doesn't stop there. He says evil speaking, slandering, defaming. It's used twice in the New Testament. Once here, the other one in 2 Corinthians twelve twenty, And there it's translated backbiting. Now, I am amazed of the um, free choice that Christians make to continue to live in the energies of the flesh when they have such a great potential in Christ Jesus. It's like an individual that has all the potential to to go to school and get a degree and become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is. And he never uses it. He just discards and says, well, I don't want to. And such is the picture of so many Christians. They refuse to live up to what God has allowed them to be. Note the progression and the connection of these works of the flesh. If you have evil intents towards someone, then you're going to have to use deceit to conceal it, which in turn will make you a hypocrite. Your envy for what they have or who they are will manifest in your life by your defaming and your slandering and backbiting. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, there's an interesting scripture there. He says six things the Lord hates, Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Now this fits perfectly into what we're talking here. You see, the new motive for our lives is to be love. Remember, these first three verses look back to the last four verses. And verse 22 speaks about the love for the brethren. Fervent love. The word is agape. The motive of our life now is agape love, not love for self. Because we have been made new creatures. The struggle is there. Galatians tells us the flesh, lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Now, when we use the word flesh, we're not talking about that your flesh, this body, is sinful in itself. But the sin nature is sinful. My flesh is like a glove. I can put my hand in the glove and move it around, but you would never think that the movement is because of the glove. It's because of the hand that's in the glove. And so my body is not sinful. It's a sin nature that uses my body to express itself. That's sinful. Lest you think of the concept of the body as as a prison like the Greeks did. We're not in prison. We have the ability to live above the sin nature. And so we're to lay these things aside because we are new babes in Christ. And that is why Jesus told Nicodemus, You must be born again of the Spirit or you will never see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, hearing God's Word and being open to His Spirit, then you can't perceive, you can't enter, you can't understand, you can't live in the level of the Spirit. It's impossible. And so on the negative side, He gives these things in verse 1. But notice, if He asks us to do it, that means we have the ability to do so. Whether we want to, whether we will yield to it, That's another matter. But secondly, he tells us the Christian life is one of growth in verse 2. This is the positive side. There's always a negative. There's always a positive. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, the only way an infant can grow and develop is by eating proper food. So likewise the babe in Christ Jesus. I mean if you don't eat you don't grow. It's as simple as that. And yet I am amazed of how often Christians don't even make that connection. And they never feed off the word of God consistently. And they wonder why they're having the many problems with their marriage, with their friends, with their ability to live in the Spirit, with their ability to discern the voice of God. And they don't make the connection between the two. And if there's one thing that we're told in the Word is, eat, eat, eat. God said He would raise up shepherds to feed the flock of God. Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Three times says, said, Feed my sheep. Peter's going to tell us in chapter 5, That he feeds the sheep, not by constraint, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. The purpose of the church in Ephesians chapter 4, to feed the flock of God. To develop the flock of God. Some interesting things about an infant is that it is a natural drive to feed. As a matter of fact, if you grab that little sucker and you put him in your arms, right away he'll turn his face over and try to suck on you like if you're the mommy. Automatically. It's a natural tendency. I mean, that's just what babies do. They feed. And it's important that we follow the very simple teaching of infants. It is a natural drive. Secondly, it is a consistent drive. They eat right on schedule. I mean, it's like an alarm clock. I remember when my kids were little, I mean, they're just, you know... You didn't have to remind them. They reminded you. You wish they didn't remind you when it's three in the morning, four in the morning. But they're very consistent. And so we as newborn babes in Christ have to be consistent in the feeding of the Word of God. Now, you know, when a baby feeds off the mother's breast milk, In that milk, there is really a benefit because it contains the needed vitamins as well as the protective antibodies against fighting natural infection that infants get. The Word of God is the same. It will give you that benefit of nourishment as well as the ability to fight off spiritual disease, wrong doctrine. If you do not feed off the Word, then what is it that you're going to feed off? Experience? Your feelings? We all know kids, and maybe we were them, and maybe we still are. That we live off potato chips, Coke, and Cheetos. Now, you can eat a lot of junk food before it starts affecting you. But sooner or later, it will affect your health. And so, in Christ, if you do not feed off the Word of God, then you're feeding off spiritual junk food. It may carry you for a little while, but you know what? In the long run, as the years go by, it's going to show up and hinder your life in Christ. It's going to affect your spiritual health. Being unable to discern the heresy, the error that you are being pulled into the word newborn here only appears one time and it is here in classical Greek it is used for babies who feed off the breast Isaiah 28 9 uses it exactly like that he says who will I teach I'll teach those who are weaned from the breast and so we are to be born in Christ and we are to begin to feed and what does he say it's a desire the word means intense yearning And something that should be ingrained in us, just like that baby, the same with us. Paul uses the very same word in 2 Corinthians 5.2 when he speaks about our eternal body. He says we yearn to put on the eternal body, the spiritual body. It's a natural desire.
0: Just as a balanced diet is critical to growing a healthy body, so is regular nourishment from God's word necessary for our spiritual growth. Pastor Xavier Reese listing the necessary ingredients for the proper maturing in our life with Christ. Now, today's study is simply titled, Babes Are to Grow to Maturity. And as always, we can provide a copy upon request. And by the way, there's much more to this study that our limited time on the air just doesn't allow us to present. But we're happy to include on CD for just $4 to help cover the costs. The title to ask for once more is, Babes Are to Grow to Maturity. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.